Hi, everybody, and welcome to John Hennigan's Old Time Radio Show. So glad you could join us. It's going to be really terrific. we got some really wacky, zany old records for you tonight. Boy, oh boy. It's, it's going to be a swell time. <laughs> First, you're listening to John's Old Time Radio Show. The theme of the show uh, this month is Whatever Happened to the Banjo. 
We have back with us our two um, current star guests. They seem to be trapped in podcast hell. They have to do these podcasts whether they like it or not, apparently. <laughs> we have uh, Robert Armstrong and Mark Pollock back. Uh, everyone's been enjoying these shows. I think this one's going to be right up there with the best of them. Oh. So s- say hello to the people. Say hello to your fans. Everyone's writing me and telling Howdy me about hi. Hello, people. shows. <clears throat> well, and I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's been fun doing these. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the... I can't, I can't evangelize enough about this. There is a social aspect to listening to records. And if you're not listening with your friends, then you're just not enjoying them the way you should. Well, there's definitely agree. something to listening to records with people who enjoy them as much as you. And then you get even more enjoyment out of them. You know, isn't mm-hmm. that true? Absolutely. And Mark, uh, I, I want to thank you for uh, doing all the technical stuff, too, because these shows wouldn't be happening without your uh, technical knowledge and uh for once, I kind of don't really do the work. You're, you're doing all the work, so I appreciate <laughs> yeah. yeah, and for those who don't know, we're recording this coast-to-coast coast via Zoom meeting. Yeah, which is leave that? <laughs> and, and this time, we're not in Mark's patio in the front yard because it's going to be like 105 degrees today in California. So yeah, the, the patio daddios have moved indoors <laughs> where we have AC. Not a moment too soon, apparently. <laughs> so tell us about right. the record. So we just yeah. opened with West Lawn Polka by Frederick J. Bacon. And it's a Victor record from 1912. And 1912. Yeah, wow. and he's playing that it. That sounds so good for 1912. Isn't it great? Yeah. And... Banjos recorded well in those early days on acoustic recorded records. The banjo yeah, came through right. really some well. Some instruments are bad, but banjo banjo cuts through those recordings it's for some reason, right? Bright and punchy and all that. And Bacon was just a master. I mean, he's playing a five-string banjo with gut strings and without picks. He's playing with his just fingernails and playing this virtuoso piece that he also wrote and a it's kind of a 19th century, more inspired type of thing you'd hear in a concert hall, trying to make a, the banjo like a legitimate performing instrument, you know, like a semi, yeah. like it's that, like, almost like light classical. And uh, Bacon went on to start his own publishing and manufacturing company, the Bacon Company, 1908. And, uh, but later on in the 20s, he made just beautiful banjos. Um, Bacon and Day banjos. He joined forces with David Day in 22 and to make the, the, the finest banjos in the 20s that are not the kind of banjos that bluegrass players or old-time players plays, more like plectrums and tenors. And uh, right, right. they're just wonderful, great banjos, just beautifully ornamented and just highly prized. I, I, not to be funny, but that record really does make you think, like, whatever happened to the banjo? I mean, it seems to, like, <laughs> progress as, like, this, you know, instrument where you could be a virtuoso, you could be so many things, and then it just stops. You know, it's, it's kind of incredible. J- Jimmy Rogers or something, the, the radio focuses on the singer. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, it, it got this rather unfair reputation. You know, you think about how you had those banjo orchestras in the 20s. And you had every possible size of banjo, people playing in big ensembles. And then suddenly somebody said, hey, you know, that's like a hillbilly instrument. And like everybody just dropped them on the floor and walked away. It's, it, you know, I don't know. Well, I guess there were great happened. bluegrass players, you yeah. know. Like, like it, it sticks around in country longer than anywhere else, but... You know, where was, like, this style of playing? It just stopped evolving at, at some point, you know? I mean, the, the really, the, the only 
place I can really think of hearing it in the 20s and 30s is, of course, like guys like Roy Schmeck. Um, and, you know, maybe you could say like Dave Macon introductions. He used to do these beautiful banjo solos. Maybe that's a continuation of this style, but it really fizzled out right after that, it seems like. Maybe people still played it, but it wasn't on record, that's right. for sure. Yeah. One place where it still goes on to this, to this day is in England. They had their own tradition of classic oh, banjo, right. and they had people like Joe Morley, who was a contemporary of Frederick Bacon, and he was writing these great tunes in the 1890s. And, uh, and there's still players today that in England that play their style of classic band, wonderful stuff oh, along wow, those lines. You know, the I, kind I of, didn't realize that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I got to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and speaking of classic banjo, I was going to do another one. Um, this is Vess Osman doing Keep Off the Grass, uh, another Victor record from 1909. Wow. It's a I shorter did, one. I just didn't know like smoking weed was such a problem back then. Who <laughs> knew? <laughs> <laughs> Virtuosity. Beautiful, a beautiful tune. Yeah. I just love that kind of playing. There's so much stunt work. There's a total, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think who, who would be the stunt guitarist of our time, but he's totally doing these show-off things as yeah. he's going along. It's not just virtuoso, it's like, hey, ladies, you know, yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the banjo player. Pyrotechnics. Yeah, it's definitely part yeah. of the style. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting that, that Osman along with Bacon and uh, Van Epps, were the, the, the first generation of these banjo performers on record. And a lot of them were born in the 1870s. And so they're dec the first decade of the 
20th century. And, and since it recorded well, and I, I assume also that playing in a music venue, an auditorium, without microphones and the sound system, the banjo would be heard a lot better than a guitar or a mandolin or other string instruments, so it just kind of cuts through. Yeah. But there were such virtuosos back then, and Osman played a lot of great ragtime stuff along with Van Epps. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's one of the few places you can really hear all those old ragtime pieces, you know, recorded. You know, there's ironically like not as much recorded on the piano. It's probably harder to record, right? They probably just recorded the banjo more back then because it was it came across better. Right. You can easily wash step up to the cone recording cone if you're playing banjo, and yeah. piano just never sounded good acoustically. It's really hard to get much. You listen to yeah, those. It's uh, very muddy. Yeah, the old. Um, uh, Jelly Roll Morton Jeanettes that are acoustically recorded, and it just, you know, yeah. you know, you hear you hear great playing, but it just doesn't have that tone that you want. You know. All right, so can either of you guys get us to the teens? Um, I can get us to the mid twenties. How about that? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so can I. Okay, what do you have? Which one do you? Oh, we could play the Homer Davenport. Let's do Homer Davenport. Yeah, Yeah, this is more of a not a country artist, but I was going to point out, you know, for people have heard five string banjo music, this is not like your, of course, bluegrass music that came much later, you know, in the forties, but um, or the kind of three finger picking you hear like a banjo roll, you know, Hmm. or even frailing claw hammer, country style, but now. This is a record from 1925, Homer Davenport, who was a country artist, and he combines an early form of three-finger picking and some strumming, both. So it's really interesting, and we assume he's playing without picks, and maybe, I don't know if he had gut strings or maybe steel strings on his banjo by then. Yeah, Keith Carey was saying that there were steel strings earlier than we think there were, so it could well be steel.
down in Tennessee plan. blues, Homer Davenport. Beautiful. And, and it's a little bit raggy too. It's got some yeah. ragtime elements to it, but it's a tune he came up with. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I, so is he playing that on a five or a? Yeah, it's a five. you can hear the drone string. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a five so string banjo. Trying to figure it out. But he kind of he strums it, you know, yeah. with his fingers as well as picking with three fingers. It sounds like so he's an early guy that do that in on the country scene. Yeah, great, really great. I love his records. <laughs> you got the next one, John? Okay, yeah, I'll play. Uh, I'll play one. Uh, I'm gonna start with uh, another hillbilly record, uh, B.F. Shelton. This was recorded in Tennessee in 1927. This guy's a, a deep hillbilly guy. I don't know a lot about him. He recorded just two records that one day in Tennessee. Anybody got any info on him? Not a thing. I don't think there's anything we need to know other than listen to this beautiful record. This is Darling Cora. <laughs> Oh, go dig a hole in the meadow. Oh, go dig a hole in the ground. Oh, dig a hole in the meadow. Let me lay pretty Corey down. Oh, the last time I saw darling Corey, she was sitting on the bank of the sea. With a forty-four around her and a banjo on her knee. Wake up, wake up, darling Corey. How can you see so sound? Highway robbers are coming, gonna tear your seal out down. Go away, go away, darling Corey, and bring to me my gun. I ain't no man for trouble, but trouble just now begun. The last time I saw darling Corey had a forty-five in her hand. Kill them, revenue officers, if they leave here with my man. Go away, go away, darling Corey, with your hanging around my bed. Whiskey has run my body, pretty women will kill me someday. Across the deep blue ocean, across the deep blue sea, so bring to me little Corey, wherever she may be. 
Wake up, wake up, darling, go do the best you can. I've got me another woman who can not you another man. Oh, yes, oh, yes, my darling, I'll do the best I can. But I'll never give my pleasure for another gambling man. Wonderful, beautiful. Oh, and is my uh. My buddy, uh, my my buddy Don Kent used to say after a record like that, "Yeah, that was pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty oh, good. Man, we'd and go beyond that. That so. is a, that is actually one of my favorite songs to play on the banjo. Um, oh yeah, you, and you it's play banjo. I do. Uh, oh, of course. Not as well as some who are yeah. sitting next to me, but I play okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, not a competition. Oh my gosh! But uh, that is it's a fun tuning for that song because you're. First and second strings are both tuned to C, so you actually uh-huh. got all kinds of drone action going on. You're playing one string that, and the other one's holding the pitch of the first one. It's really a blast, really fun. Yeah, oh. and that to my ears sounds like two finger style playing, where he's playing the lead with his thumb on the lower strings, and there were other country players like Charlie Poole played like what that way. He played the melody with his thumb, but. Huh. But players like Charlie Poole are also inspired by Des Osman and Fred Van Epps and the earlier guys a generation before them. They couldn't That's right. well, quite play on that level. Charlie Poole's songs were from that era. You know? yeah, they, yeah, they're probably uh, kids I mean, when they heard I, these records. I have sheet music for almost every Charlie Poole tune from the late 18, early 1900s. You know, They'll Come a Time, Moving Day, You Ain't Talking to Me. They're all songs from that era yeah. you know 1905 1908 yeah music oh well i'm gonna just derail everything from these fantastic five string songs and not only am i going to go to four strings i'm going to go to the banjo uke uh, okay this is a real oddball of a record a group's called the two of spades it's a uh, herbert leonard and harry mays in 1925 and it's banjo uke and harmonica Okay. It's it's a real oddball. I love it. Yeah. But uh, definitely uh, <clears throat> not your typical blues record.
Virtuosic banjo ukulele record ever made. Oh man, so good! It's like they just pulled two dudes off the street, you know, and said, "Hey, would you make a record?" <laughs> yeah, it's probably you know, yeah. So many people just never made it past the level of street musician, but man, what great music, you know? Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of work in the music business, you know. So <laughs> as a as a famous cartoon character once said, you know. Your booze mean nothing to me because I've seen what makes you cheer. <laughs> so, you know, never discount the street musician is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's great. I, it's just one of those records that I think has flown under the radar for a lot of blues folks because it's not a guitarist and it's... Well, that's not that's not like a, a blues mafia record for sure. That's no. uh, <laughs> that's acquired taste, you know. Yeah. But that, I, I need it. Uh, it's on my number one need list right now. So uh, why don't at this point in the show, why don't we um, talk about uh, buying products from our, our guests, and namely uh, Mr. Robert Armstrong, for those who don't know, was a founding member of the Cheap Suit Serenaders and has been putting out music ever since. And in case you didn't know, he's also an amazing artist. And I, I believe was the, the first thing you put out, Mickey Rat, were you? For comics, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah, back in the yeah. early seventies, yeah, I, underground yeah, comics. <laughs> Mickey yeah, Rat's so still he, going. He started out in underground comics and is an amazing painter. And you can go to his website, which is Armstrong's no, Armstrong Art and Novelty Hut. It's not uh, Armstrong Art and Novelty Hut dot com. One okay, word. I let you say because I didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> but when you go there, uh, he, he has amazing paintings for sale. And unless you're really dumb, you'll go and buy one. I have one. I have and, one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you want to be as cool as me and Mark? I mean, you know, this is what you're going to have to do. And also, there's links there to all his music, um, uh, you know, CDs that are available. And also, you know, I, I'll just mention too, like so many great covers you've done for Grass Skirt and started with Yazoo. I believe those were the first like reissue covers you did. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Back in the LP days. <laughs> yeah. I miss that larger format. I, I got to say that like that's, you know, what when I was really young, I'll never forget like being like 16, 17 and going to Tower Records and they had this like, upstairs section for lps that you know the mainstream didn't want back then kind of you know that was just where like the real oddballs went in that room and that's where i discovered all that that stuff and it, and it was those covers that attracted me to it at first of course you know yeah so it's it's so great that you guys did those uh you know like string ragtime i remember seeing that cover i didn't know what string ragtime was when i was 16 but when I saw that record, I'm like, I have to have this. Yeah. And then when I dropped the needle, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on here? And then, the John, if, gates some, open. if someone wants to support this show and help you find more records, which is really the ulterior motive here is to find more records, I believe. Uh, how I do people support you? all need more records. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, let's see. I, I guess, you know, EastRiverStringBand.com, that's my band, but... Um, 
my wife and I have an eBay store, Eden and John, where you can buy all our CDs and LPs and art prints and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, don't be ignorant. You know, sometimes you have to yell at the audience. I've realized everyone tells me this is a bad idea, but I still do it. Don't be ignorant. Yeah, come on. Buy, if you like this music, go buy this stuff. You'd buy some me. merch. And get some swag. Yeah. yeah. That's come what we on, call man. a soft sell. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up, you degenerate record collectors. It's your TV pal, Space Ghost, here telling you what to do. <laughs> I love pushing people around. It's time to dig into your tight wad pockets and buy stuff from Eden and John. Don't be so damn cheap, you bastards. Gee, do you think that's maybe coming on a little too strong? Mm. No, probably not. Go to East River String Band dot com and bye 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 <laughs> bye bye <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> all right so where were we back with the show yeah well we were we enjoyed um and bob has suggested i play this next um well we're kind of on the blues banjo yeah so aspect you can't you can't do this kind of thing then without going on to the canon uh, jug stompers Oh yeah, one of the greatest banjo players ever in oh. America. And he yeah. played a five. Gus Cannon played a five-string banjo. Yeah, but in his own way. Yeah. Yeah, he had a real unique style. Yeah. Yeah. So. And he was like, I played at medicine shows and like that. And I'm sure you've South. seen that that old film footage of him. It's about a minute or so long. It was on one of those Yazoo VHS DVDs yeah. of him talking about playing the medicine show. Have, no. have you seen it? No. Uh, from the 60s, 1960s? When yeah, it was, yeah like, when they, probably in his living room. Yeah. So great. Oh. He's talking about how he used to get the crowd all riled up. One dollar, one dollar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a recording of him made in the 60s also on a record where he talks about making his first banjo. You know, oh, wow. his mother had a bread pan. And then, I don't know, what he found, like a broomstick or something for the neck. And he just made his own banjo and it's great some of these early guys were just so poor living out in the country they couldn't afford a real instrument they just whip something together at home minglewood blues <laughs> Thank you. 
Goosing them on just to go a little bit faster yeah, as it progresses. There's definitely no set tempo from beginning to end. <laughs> oh. Those guys are loose. And Gus was playing the banjo and the jug at the same time. Yeah. He had a jug rack with a tin jug around his neck so he could play both jug and banjo at the same time. Oh, good grief. And, and, well, and, and then balancing that for the recording must have been a really interesting challenge because they're always trying to get the jug player you know, on the microphone and have the banjo a little further back. I wonder how they managed that. That's wild. But uh, that would never be released today. There, some producer <laughs> would say, uh, your tempo varied a yeah, little right, bit from beginning to end. Yeah. You know, uh, like, we, we got to yeah, retake that. It, it would all be tracked. Yeah, it was I mean, too come on. accelerated <laughs> there. <laughs> as soon as they walked in with instruments, they'd be kicked out. You know, I remember hearing that record on the, the Harry Smith Folk Music Anthology. When I was in high school, I used to check it out of the library, the record sets, and, and I just was fell in love with jug band music, and especially that record. It just got me in a deep spot. And <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so great. Wonderful stuff. Um, Mr. Armstrong, I think you're up. Yeah, you have another country-esque? Did you have a Bobby Leakin record or something before we get into the, the pop and jazz and okay, four-string yeah. banjo? Let me see what I pulled out over here. Oh. I pulled out... Um, or Dave Macon, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was going to play. Uh, I mean, there's so many great ones. And at first I thought, well, I'll start out with one where he plays one of these amazing, like, old-time, you know, 19th century banjo solos. And then, you know, I, I love how he'll play it. And then we'll go, that was waiting for the clouds to roll by. This is something, something. That... <laughs> so he's introducing it. Because apparently, like, he grew up in, in a... In, in a house that put on vaudeville shows, I read. Oh. And uh, so I think that's probably, he was probably exposed to so much different kinds of music because he really does so many different styles. And this is something, this is like a ballad, which you don't really think of when you think of Uncle Dave Macon, but to me it's uh, just so beautiful. And uh, it just shows another thing that he could do that maybe people don't listen to as much as his, you know, masterpieces on the banjo, which, you know, now that I'm saying out loud, I realize, well, since the show is about the banjo, maybe I should have played one of those. <laughs> but I, I, I got it in my hands. So I'm going to play, play it anyways. It's from uh, 1938. Uh, Wait till the clouds roll by. Nice. I'm going far away Out on the boundary Dillow Out on the dark blue sea How I will miss you, my darling That's where the storm is reaching high 
Cheer up and don't be lonely. Wait till the clouds roll by. Wait till the clouds roll by, Jenny. Wait till the clouds roll by, Jenny. My own true love one, wait till the clouds roll by. Jenny, when far from thee, love, I'm on the ocean each thought of thee forever, loving sweet vigil keep. Then I will come to you, darling. Take courage, dear, and never sigh. Cheer up and don't be lonely. We Wait till the clouds roll by, Jenny. Wait till the clouds roll by, Jenny, my own true love one. Wait till the clouds roll by. Wait till the clouds roll by, Jenny. Very sweet. Very wow. nice. That's nice, right? That's not the Uncle Dave making I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that Sam McGee singing harmony there with him? Or his, you know what? or his son Doris, maybe. I think it's his son. Yeah. And, uh, By 38, usually, maybe it's uh, Doris. I, I, I write that down, honestly. But in 1938, I don't think it was Sam McGee anymore. Yeah. But I'm not sure. That, Beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah, it really is sweet. Yeah. That, you know, it's it, it made me really think it's a shame that we never had Uncle Dave making on the Muppet Show. I mean, that would have been a total <laughs> perfect moment, you yeah. know. It's, yeah. you know I see that not too facetiously, but it really would have fit in that mentality. Yeah. Um, just it, well, the, he was great. I, I read that um, <laughs> his parents owned a, a hotel for vaudeville performers. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So you can imagine the kind of music he was exposed oh, sure. to. Sure. Kind of all you got to sure. do is listen to his records because I mean, he plays so many different styles. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, of course, everybody thinks of him as the, the king of the country banjo and then the fruit jar drinkers. You know, so, so great. But he, he really played that old-time banjo solo style, and he played minstrel tunes, and he played, you know, kind of a form of blues, ballads. I, I really love him, but... Uh, Boy. I thought this record was a little unusual. So. <laughs> Great. What you got? Well, I'm thinking about jumping ahead into the world of four-string banjo. Okay. We played, we played five-string banjo and the banjo uke, which yeah. is, of course, a four-string banjo. And... Uh, this is the kind of banjo I learned on when I was a kid, when I was 12, 13, 
I started taking lessons from an old man um, in Southern California, and his orientation, he played plectrum banjo. So I played the four-string long-neck plectrum banjo. <laughs> and, and he, funny, Mac McGowan was my old banjo teacher and also a fellow uh, founder of the Cheap Suit Serenaders, Al Dodge, was also taking lessons. That's how I met Al. And, uh, but my banjo teacher just had contempt for five-string banjos, even though he started <laughs> out on one. But he, I remember he, him telling me, oh, I had a five-string banjo I learned on. We just took that five-string, that peg off, and threw it away. <laughs> because he was, playing, he was playing in early orchestras and stuff. And mm. I remember when I was taking lessons from him, he had a photo on the wall of him from France in 1918, and he's wearing a doughboy uniform. He was a World War I soldier, and he was in a wow. band called the OK Jazz Band, J-A-S-S. And, wow. and he was playing a five-string banjo. What's, oh, yeah, well, we just threw that peg away and just played the four strings, so early plectrum banjo was a oh. tune like a five-string banjo open chord, and right. they just did away with the fifth string. You, don't, you, you were strumming it. And so this next record is um, more of a rhythmic banjo thing played by Sleepy Hall and his Melody okay. Boys, and it's on a Canadian record. And I believe that Sleepy Hall was from Canada, as far as I can tell. That I, I remember talking to an old banjo player from L.A., Spencer Quinn, years ago, told me about Spe Sleepy Hall. And I don't have much more uh, other information about the guy, but... But you listen to this, it's very rhythmic, like what a drummer would do. And if you think about the banjo, it's like a drum with strings on it. And some guys yeah. really had a, a sense. And I might add that when we played, opened up with Frederick Bacon, he was also a drummer. And he put on shows where he would just get out a snare drum. And he was playing into the 30s where he just played some tunes on the banjo and then played some numbers on just the snare drum. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but but Sleepy Hall just is doing great syncopation and also tie in he's playing a bacon banjo. And you can hear it's oh, a because cool. he's playing a bacon a bacon banjo that has a knee mute and it has a lever where you can lean it with your knee and it plays quietly more quiet than loud. So it's called a soft pet or soft pedal or knee mute. Wow. Like so, he's playing cool. a silver bell. <laughs> yeah, bacon day silver bell type oh, of thing. Nice. Be lonesome, I wanna be blue. 
Some syncopation going on there. Yeah. Sorry, it's not a cleaner copy, but best well, I have. At least that's the good side. I have to point out the other side of this record looks like it may have escaped a backhoe or something. There's these enormous digs in a row. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Record abuse of, oh, of the worst kind. But it's, it's such <laughs> a great. There's an immediacy there. It's like all of them are sitting on the microphone almost. When you listen to it, it's really strange how. How close and intimate that recording is! I'm not used to hearing that that closeness. They could have been just around one microphone, yeah. yeah. And and uh, Sleepy's using nice. his soft pedal knee mute when they start to sing. You could hear it go low and then pick back up again. <laughs> really um, nice. Yeah, John, you got something else for us here? Um, okay, uh, I won't be shy. So <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, play one by the great Roy Smeck. This has uh, Art Khan on piano. This is on the Van Dyke label, you know, the Plaza uh, Records. And it's under the name Jay and Young. It's called Fooling Around. I see this record a lot, and I see it like nobody bid on it because they probably don't know what it is. It just says Banjo Novelty. But uh, someone played it for me, and I was able to get a copy pretty easily for those who might have such desires out there. <clears throat> this is recorded in New York, 1929. And of course, most people know Roy Smeck was a, you know, self-proclaimed wizard of the banjo. Well, and <laughs> wizard of the a, strings. He played, yeah, played uke everything. and steel guitar and <laughs> standard guitar. Yeah. He was just all and over. Didn't you do, you did the graphics on that uh, Yazoo reissue, right? Uh, I think Crum did that, but uh, oh, did he? I, okay. I remember going to visit Roy in New York in the seventies. Oh yeah, I would, I would stay with a. I was doing some other record covers for Nick Pearls at Yazoo Records, and he was working on that compilation for Roy. So we went to visit Roy at his apartment, and uh, so I went back there and took some lessons on the steel guitar. And what was great wow. that, that Roy had all these signature instruments around his apartment. 
a Roy Smeck. In fact, he had a Roy Smeck model Bacon and Day banjo. Oh, it was geez. name on the peg head. And he had a Roy wow. Smeck model harmony ukulele. He had, you know, there's a Roy Smeck. There's two Roy Smeck Gibson steel guitars that were made in the 30s. The right. stage deluxe and the radio deluxe or something. And uh, so he had so many signature model instruments made by different companies and he, and he still had them around his apartment he would just use his Roy Smeck model instruments and he was just the nicest guy he was just a sweetheart of a guy and that's cool that's so funny and, and it, what's nice is that if you're Roy Smeck you can just go to any place say hey I think you have my guitar and then you have something to play no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to have your name, name on, on it right, right? <laughs> All right, this is fooling around. rushes over and gives everybody oxygen. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> 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 the highly caffeinated version. That was great. Nice record. It yeah. sounds like it's pretty much based on Tiger Rag. And they yeah, just yeah. They use it as a form, but they just go crazy on it. That's wonderful. Oh my goodness. Would you do me a favor and not release this podcast until I can grab a copy of that record before everyone else does? 
Well, if I ever see one, I'll definitely let you know. But I have seen it turn up many times because there's always like weird, you know, <clears throat> ARC records. I, yeah. I'll do searches. And I'm always surprised sometimes when I see like nobody bid on it, you know. Ah. Um, it's too bad. It's, it's um, so great. And Van Dyke, you know, the, the playing surface is sometimes the worst. It was almost like oh, Paramount yeah. records that just so <laughs> gritty, you know. This this is terrible, but uh, the recording is good so that the, and maybe it's the banjo, but it still cuts over the noise oh, yeah. of the right. surface, you know. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of those, you know, brown ones. It's like, you know, <laughs> bad wax to begin I'm sure, with. Yeah, I mean, oh. imagine the recording engineer was trying to keep it down. It's probably just pinging in the red the entire time. Can you imagine? I mean, they get faster and faster and louder and louder. Right? Like, can you imagine trying to tell those guys, like, you know, don't play too loud. Yeah, yeah good luck. Yes, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. How do you feel about uh, uh, Arthur Fields? Well, I well, love Arthur Fields, but yeah. I didn't know he played the banjo. No, he didn't, but he had somebody backing him up. <laughs> Um, and I don't know who. I was trying to figure out who it is. Uh, this is a red label Jeanette, uh, Arthur Fields, and banjo accompaniment. But so far, okay. I can't figure out who it was. Uh, the song is called "So Is Your Old Lady." Okay. Okay. Ah, but I, you know, it's just—it's a good accompaniment. I just really enjoyed it. But I'll be darned if I can find a thing in any book. Uh, it just doesn't count as a—you know—it's not jazzy enough for the Rust books, and it's not a—yeah, you know. Well, I have a I have a banjo discography, which is actually excellent. I bet you it's in there. Oh, cool! Yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing. It. Yeah, huh? it's really great. I get it. Oh. Uh, uh, it's well, new to me too. I'll grab this book. Yeah, yeah. we got to find out. Do you have it? No, I've never even heard of this thing. Oh my okay. gosh! I'll, I'll get it. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, we'll all play right. the record in the meantime. Here we go. Yeah. Your 
dough You're right now, Jack You're hanging around the opposite sex But so is your old lady And while you're out on your nightly vacation I'm getting my consolation You're having your fling You're having your fun You're getting to be a son of a gun But so is your old lady Getting too cranky, getting too cross You're wondering how to get a divorce And so is your old lady You're learning to chop and learning to step You're full of new life and full of steps And so is your old lady So you don't think I'm as young as I was, dear I know somebody who Dear. You're starting to flirt, you're starting to fall You're acting like you wasn't married at all And so is your old lady Yeah Nice I wonder well, I, if that might be John Callie on the banjo Because Arthur Fields did a lot of records with Fred Hall and the Sugar Babes And John Callie was the banjo player with that group And so I imagine they worked together quite a bit well, it's funny because this record is in the discography. Oh. It's under Arthur Fields. He only has one entry, and it's this one. And all it says is unknown tenor banjo. Oh. Oh. You know, it was recorded in New York, 1926. But then it says below it, see also John Kelly, uh, Harrison Franklin, and Harry Reeser. I guess other people probably backed up Arthur Fields or something. They're I don't know. Around at the time. But that's interesting. And I'll tell you something else this book has is an entry for Armstrong's Pasadena's. Oh, my God. Uh, R. Crumb and his Keep on Trucking Boys, the Good Tone Banjo Boys. You're oh. in this book four times. Right, with the Good Tone Banjo Boys, yeah. <laughs> you believe it? That's a 78 that's, that's right. That's was made in 1974. Oh I never thought gosh. I'd have someone on the show who's in the banjo disguise. Wow, man. look at that, man. I can't believe believe it they didn't this say book is actually excellent i mean I, I i mean anybody who touched a banjo on 78 record is in this book it's they did an amazing job these guys oh, really? i use this book all the time I, I can't believe you know i'll find some obscure record and i'll be like ah that'll never be in here and then it is just like the one you just played we we'll have to run out and get copies well they, why didn't they send yeah. you a free one you're in the book yeah come on man plus <laughs> six <laughs> I demand satisfaction. <laughs> well, Bob, what have you got well, there? Well, you mentioned Harry Reeser. Mm -hmm. So, who is just the most amazing banjo player of the 20s, you know, one of the very greatest, yeah. and who played both tenor banjo and plectrum banjo, and both four-string banjos. And for those of you that don't know the difference, the plectrum banjo is like we talked before is long neck scale and was more based on what was before the five string banjo without the fifth string and then the tenor banjo was tuned in fifths like a mandolin or in this case more like a viola and uh, on this record i think he's playing it on plectrum but some records you can't tell because he played both mm -hmm. and he could do the oh, same thing cool. on both banjos wow but, but he was just an unbelievable virtuoso that just Took it on to another level of 20s-style jazz-infused, you know, highly syncopated banjo solos. 
What What's the title of this one? This one's called Calling, and it's late 20s. I don't know if it's like 28 or something. Cool. I got to look it up. Look it up your book, Calling. <laughs> You got, you got the book, John. Boy, that's, that really sounded like an insult line right there. Yeah, look it up in your book. Come on. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Until we get our copies of the book. little syncopated strumming but he also does single note tremolo stuff you know like what you hear on a tenor banjo boy well i'll be honest with you um there's about 40 pages of weezer in this book i still haven't found it i mean it's pretty amazing though they have everything in chronological order like i was looking through 1925 there's like 15 pages like all this guy did was record oh and they just have them in chronological order no matter what the band is. So, I mean, I I know it's in here, but... Oh, he man. did, Anyways, but, but he also we'll, led we'll a great... He did a lot of solos, but he also led some really great bands. Both Mark and I are big fans of his group, the Six Jumping Jacks. Yeah, and then he had right. the Jazz Pilots and the Clico Club Eskimos, and uh, he just did so much. And 
Uh, and he's on and he's on every label too I feel like yeah. you know I think I've got some hit of the weeks that he's that he did with uh, one of his groups and he just, about he, 15 years ago or so a friend had bought this huge jazz and dance band collection and you know pulled out most of the stuff he wanted and everything else was for sale so I went out to his place and I took my portable so I could listen to each record you know because there, there was so much to choose from I didn't want to get any clunkers or anything and I came across this section of the six jumping jacks you know, like 30 <laughs> so I said oh this is such a great opportunity because I'll just get two or three of the best ones I'll listen to each one and you know what you know what a great opportunity and I ended up buying them all I, I couldn't reject a single one we understand of course yeah, you would yeah, yeah. Like the they're all great. great they did Everyone had at least one great song, great arrangement, and of course the banjo playing. I mean, I, I, I really wanted to reject a few of them, but I couldn't. You know? Well, and that's and that's funny because um, I just recently got a collection, and there's an, a lot of some particular artists. Um, big pile of Ruth Edding, for instance, and uh, sometimes you get those big piles of an artist, you just go, oh, I just can't take any of these. It's just too much, but. I think with the Jumping Jacks and Harry Reeser, you would say, I don't care how many there are, I'm taking them all. <laughs> you know? yes. just, I can't. He's such, such a great band. Oh, yeah. Such man. a great, great banjo player. Yeah. No kidding. I've been lucky enough to get so many of his uh, great solos too, but it's like you said, you, you know, there's he plays great with every band he's in too. And yeah, just looking at that discography, I, I realize. I probably have like one one hundredth of the records you recorded. <laughs> I probably have like fifty. <laughs> oh, what do we got? Next? Well, so I, next change of pace. How about some Italian banjo music. What do you say? Oh yeah, a little Italian banjo. Yeah. This All is right. really great, lovely stuff by Frank Fazio, who I yeah. can't find any information out about this guy. I assume he was, you know from around New York or somewhere eastern seaboard and, and uh, but made these great banjo records on the tenor banjo so this would be tuned in fifths like a mandolin or a mandola and oh, I cool. suppose he probably made some mandolin records too but I haven't sure. found them but he's right in there with all the great virtuoso Italian players of the 20s and 30s so this is uh, I think about 1928 or something uh, green Label Columbia. Yeah. Mia Adorita, my adorable one. Thank you. 
Bellissima. That's great record. Yeah. Flipside's great, right. too. <laughs> well, since you went Italian, I'm going to throw this this one on last one from me. Okay. This is uh, from uh, Malawi, Africa. Um, it's two guys named uh, Monsoyo and Catre. And, uh, you know, I don't know too much about it. It's great, great African banjo. Recorded sometime in the 50s, I would guess. Uh, you know... Malawi is uh, southeastern Africa by like Tanzania. Um, that's all I know. Uh -huh. check, no. check this out. I've heard some other records from this same area that have this style. So I don't know if this was like kind of a style that they played at the time, but it does make you wonder like, whatever happened to the banjo? <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that's some uh, spirited playing. Man, those guys might have had a Roy Smack beat on the hot levels there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to count the, the the meter of that, and I finally had to give up. I don't know what, what the meter is. It's marvelous. They uh, definitely hear meter different than we do, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot yeah. of those African records, you know, there's it's not really 4-4. Um, but okay, guys, thanks a lot for doing this. Um, I'm not sure of the time of the show, but I feel like it was an extra special extended show for the <laughs> folks out there. So they just got to hear a ton of banjo. You might not be able to hear it in the modern world, but you can yeah. hear it here. So that's good. As much banjo as they can handle. That's right. Yeah. Thanks a lot for doing it. Oh, and, uh, a pleasure. Thank you. Mr. Armstrong, you're going to take us out with one more? Yes. Right. Harry Reeser's Banjo Boys and uh, doing Down South pop tune. And listen, especially towards the end of the record, you can hear three banjos playing. Whoa. But you hear Harry throughout, just punctuating. It's with an orchestra, you know, oh, and cool. a big arrangement. But the banjos work rhythmically, and then towards the end you hear banjo effects at that one point if you listen, lean in and listen you can hear three banjos oh boy from the late 20s <laughs>
for the audience. So long for a while. We love That's you. That's all the songs for a while. We love you. We love your audience. Thanks for tuning in to John's Old Time Radio Show. Ooh, that was nice. Please join us next time where John will chastise you, call you stupid, and say fuck off. Thank you and good night. Well, I'm, great. I'm great. I'm going to use that in every show. Every show is going to end That's with that from now on. That's a career she could have had.